What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clips Combo. So I'm your host, Joey Lynn, and we are coming to you on a Tuesday here today. I once again took a week off because I just got so much going on with the end of the regular season coming up here. And I think I'm honestly going to transition away from every Monday and just try to get these out when it makes the most sense. Because trying to commit to a particular day of the week uh, it's it's just tough right now with everything that's going on. And, and there is a lot that's going on, as you guys know. So I'm still going to try to do once a week. Obviously, I've been going every other here of uh, the last couple of weeks. But that's more so just because of everything that's been going on uh, around the team. Uh, they've been practicing a lot more. Um, they've been having a lot more home games. I mean, the month of February, they really didn't have a whole lot of home games. And then now here in March, it feels like they've been here every other day. So uh, that's why it's been a little bit more spaced out in between episodes. But I am going to still try to commit to once a week. It's certainly once every other. I won't go any longer than that. I can't uh, let this turn into my YouTube thing where I just get too busy. I want to make sure I at least commit to giving you guys something uh, on a regular basis. So while it might not be every Monday, I'll still kind of shoot for that. But no matter what, I'll get you guys something on a regular basis. So here we are. Coming to you live on a Tuesday, and like I said, one of the things I want to do is just give you guys episodes when it makes the most sense, and needless to say, it makes a lot of sense right now because we have a major development in the starting lineup, and in my opinion, I think it's just going to be the rotation entirely. Marcus Morris is no longer your starting power forward. It is a decision that is a long time coming it really is something that should have happened months ago if you guys listened to my last episode I praise some of the adjustments that Ty Lue has made um really since Russ has showed up and said he's been great to an extent and that extent that I talked about was Marcus Morris because for whatever reason Ty continued to play Morris despite the fact that he was really offering you nothing out there on the court he was offering nothing offensively he was getting destroyed defensively, offers nothing on the glass. Um, and it was just one of those situations where it became so obvious to everybody, especially the fan base, that people were really starting to get upset about it, and I believe rightfully so. Well, Marcus Morris is no longer starting for the LA Clippers, and as I uh, somewhat suggested a little bit ago, I would be surprised if we see him at all between now and the rest of the regular season. It's about all I'm going to say on that. Um, you know, things will probably develop, uh, you know, between now and the end of the season or even once the season ends, some things will probably start to develop. But uh, I would be surprised if we see Marcus Morris again. And I'm like I said, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. Uh, a lot of people are speculating as to what's going on with him. It was kind of a unique situation because he was uh, randomly showed up on the injury report as having an illness. And it wasn't listed as health and safety, right? Like it's kind of an interesting situation because with the health and safety protocols thing, which you're really hardly seeing at all anymore, when a guy goes into health and safety, it's like he went into health and safety. And if he has an illness, then it's an illness. And the two are, are usually pretty separate. But for Morris, he popped up with an illness. And then uh, the report came out mid-game that he was going to be on his way out of the rotation. Ty Lue confirmed the report after the game and said that Nico, or excuse me, yeah, so the report said that he was going to be out of the rotation entirely. Ty confirmed after the game that Marcus was going to be out of the starting lineup. He didn't say that Roko was going to be the backup. He kind of refused to answer that. But Ty did confirm that he was uh, Nico was going to be the starting power forward 
uh, from now until the rest of the season. And then the next day, Marcus shows up on the injury report as being in health and safety. So, you know, I you know, we'll see. Like I said, I don't really want to get too much into that and kind of the the speculation that's going on um, with him. All I'm going to say is I would be surprised if I see uh, Marcus Morris on the floor uh, again for the Clippers this season. But hey, we'll see. Uh, some weird things have happened in the past. Mook was already supposed to be out of the rotation once, and uh, he continued to start. So there, there's been some weird things that have gone on. Um, and <laughs> that's funny. I just got uh, uh at from Adam. He just tagged Adam uh, Oslin. He just said, hey, when's your next podcast, bro? I just got the notification coming right now. I am recording it at the very moment. Adam, I appreciate you checking in. So, yes, anyways, that's the Marcus Morris situation. And I'm going to leave it at that because, um, you know, <laughs> not really my place to dive into to some of the speculation that that is going on. Um, so anyways, that's the Marcus Morris situation. Moving on now, I wanted to check in real quick on Russ because he's obviously been such a hot topic, um, not just amongst Clippers Twitter, but uh, just the NBA world in general, right? You got half of NBA Twitter praying on his downfall, and then you got the Russ stands and Clippers fans that are hoping that he can shut all of those people up and continue to be who he's been throughout the course of his career. And that is a Hall of Fame first ballot Hall of Fame point guard, excellent teammate, and just somebody that a lot of players around the league, especially those who have played with him, would say that's a guy that I want to see win a championship. So Russ has been great in my eyes. I truly think Russ has been great for the Clippers. Listen, Russell Westbrook is an imperfect player just like everybody else. But something that's really interesting when it comes to Russ is that his imperfections and his flaws, they get pointed out probably more than any other player in the NBA, certainly players who have accomplished everything that he's accomplished. It is truly remarkable sometimes to see the way that those who are against Russ and those who want to see Russ fail point out the things that he does poorly, whether it be turnovers, whether it be his shooting, and then refuse to acknowledge the fact that he's impacting the game in so many other ways, whether it be his pace, his rebounding, he's been finishing at a very high clip with the Clippers. His leadership, there's so many things that he brings, and there's been some games where, yeah, Russ has had some bad turnovers, maybe he's had some poor shot selection, but he also had 12 assists in that game or 10 rebounds in that game, and you know he pushed the pace and he, he got shooters wide open. Like There's so many things that Russ does that people just refuse to acknowledge because they want to stare at the things that he's done poorly. And it's frustrating for me to see because watching this guy up close and being around him every single day in the locker room and at the practice facility, I mean, he's just a first-class dude. He really is. And it's it's frustrating to see the narrative that people have about him and that people try to create about him because I have seen nothing but the opposite. And everybody that I've talked to that has been around him, even in a closer capacity than me, says the exact same thing. And if you don't want to take my word for it, look no further than Patrick Beverly, who showed up uh, as a member of the Chicago Bulls last night. I actually got to interview him after the game, which was super dope. Um, and he was catching up with Big Zoo before the game. He was catching up with Terrence, and he was just saying what's up to all his former teammates. And the first thing he said when he hugged Zoo and he hugged Terrence was, how's Russ? He said, how's Russ? He said, he's a great dude, huh? Great dude. And you, you guys know Pat. I mean... If, if he had something bad to say about somebody, he would say it. And those are two guys that used to go at it. I mean, they really had beef. 
of course, with Russ and, and the injury that happened on the play with Bev diving into him, and then with Russ having the Pat Bev trick y'all comments and Bev saying that damaged his career, and like there was there was real beef between those two guys, but they became teammates on the Lakers, and then now Bev has nothing but good things to say about Russ. And he said it's crazy. You remember he tweeted out, I think it was Thanksgiving. He said, I'm having Thanksgiving dinner. It was a Christmas dinner or something with Russell Westbrook. And I just think that's so cool because there's people who try to paint the picture about Russ. But when then you hear what people have to say about him who have actually been around him, it's a completely different story. And I can speak to that uh, to some extent because I've been around him and I've talked to him and uh, he's a great dude. And, and honestly, his impact goes beyond basketball. And his basketball impact, in my opinion, has been pretty dang good so far with the Clippers. I was going to tweet the stat out, but then the injury report dropped and I, I kind of forgot. But before coming to the Clippers, um, or excuse me, before the Clippers acquired Russell Westbrook, they were 25th in the NBA in assists per game. Since acquiring Russ, they are 8th in the NBA in assists per game. And of course, some of those are, are Westbrook's assists, but a lot of those are him getting in the paint. And kicking it out to an open shooter, and then that extra pass goes to an even more wide open shooter, and that's the assist. And Russ didn't get credit for it, but he still created it. There's so many things that he does, and Ty Lue talked about it last night when the Clippers uh, put up 41 assists, which was the first time they've done that all season. And he said it was Russ, it, it was his pace, man. It was just the way he got into the paint and the way he found shooters and, and pushed the pace. And I was there, I watched the whole game, and I absolutely agree. So that's the Russ check-in. I just wanted to make sure I hit on him because it's still, for whatever reason, such a polarizing topic. But I think it's it's become pretty clear now that even the people who were, I mean, incredibly against the Westbrook acquisition now have to take a step back and say, well, hey, it hasn't been that bad. It's actually been pretty good. So I'm happy for Russ. I hope that the Clippers can continue to get even better and make a deep playoff run because that's a guy uh, who I want to see do well. So now looking forward at the rest of the season, the Clippers are in, a, are in an interesting spot because as things sit currently, I'm recording this at about 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday, they are the fifth seed in the Western Conference. And if the season ended today, they would play the Phoenix Suns in round one and they would be heading to Phoenix for games one and two. Now, they're only a half game back from the Suns. So theoretically, the Clippers could pretty easily jump them in the standings and host that first round series in the four five matchup. But with Kevin Durant coming back, they said he's going to be back for their next game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I would probably give Phoenix the inside track to finishing fourth. I mean, the Clippers don't have PG. Uh, they, they play a few more tough matchups between now and the rest of the regular season or in the end of the regular season. So I think Phoenix probably gets fourth, but the Clippers have a real shot at it. But as I'm looking at the Western Conference standings, it feels more and more likely to me that the Clippers are going to see Phoenix in round one. Now, that could absolutely change because the Timberwolves are only one game behind the Clippers and the Warriors are only one game behind the Clippers. And the Pelicans are only a game and a half behind the Clippers. So there's a lot that can change. I mean, the Clippers, they have still not escaped the play-in tournament yet. Like, there is certainly still a level of concern that a couple of losses could place them right back in the play-in tournament. So I'm getting a little bit of ahead, a little bit ahead of myself when I look at their potential first-round matchup because you want to at least secure one before looking at that. 
But when I just look at the teams that are around them and I look at how they've been playing and you look at remaining schedules, it does seem to be shaping up for a Clippers-Suns 4-5 matchup. And that leads me into something that I really wanted to talk about on this podcast. And that is tanking to avoid certain matchups in the first round or second round of the playoffs. We have seen the Clippers do it. And in my opinion, it doesn't work for a couple of different reasons. The first is that it tells your team that you are not confident in your ability to beat anybody. Now, there's some people who would disagree with me on that. There's some people who say, Joey, it's not that deep. It's just about the path of least resistance to the NBA Finals. But the bottom line is you have to go through the best if you want to be the best. And if you are scared of the Phoenix Suns to the point that you are purposely losing games to try to avoid them in the first round of the playoffs, I think that says a lot about how much belief you actually have in your team. Now, a fair counterpoint to that is the Clippers do not have Paul George right now. And the expectation that just came out today from Sham Sharania from The Athletic, the expectation right now is that the Clippers will not have an opportunity to get Paul George back unless they win at least one playoff series. So a fair counter to the point I just made is, well, Joey, yes, okay, you don't want to tell Phoenix that you're scared of them, but this is a little bit different because the Clippers don't have Paul George right now and they could have him for the second round. So would it not be better to try to avoid one of the better teams in the first round and then get them later when you have Paul George back? And my answer is yes. There, there's not a real rebuttal to that. The answer is yes. But my concern that still exists with that strategy is as I just mentioned, only one loss separates the Clippers from the play-in tournament right now. So if you try to get cute and start throwing games to avoid a certain first-round matchup, you may very well not even get one. And that is something that I think needs to be avoided at all costs, even if it means playing Phoenix in the first round of the playoffs. So we will see what happens. Of course, the people that are making these decisions are people that are calculating it to a further degree than I am right now, but that is still how I see it. Even with the Paul George situation, I am not a fan of ducking certain matchups. And I stated my two reasons. One is because I believe it shows a lack of confidence in your group. And two, even with the Paul George situation, I believe it puts you dangerously close to the play-in tournament. And the Clippers also haven't secured enough tiebreakers to feel confident in doing that. So that's my take on that because there's been so much discussion about the Clippers and about where they are in the standings and potentially trying to avoid Phoenix because it would be crazy. If they saw Phoenix in round one, it would be crazy because these are two teams that expect to win a championship this season. And people have already made the comparison to the 2015 first round series between the Spurs and the Clippers where the Spurs were the defending champs The Lob City Clips were a team that really expected to go to the NBA Finals, and one of them had to go home in round one. So if the Clippers see the Suns in round one, it is going to be one very disappointed team at the end of that series and one very disappointed fan base and potentially some major changes happening for the loser of that series. So I understand the stakes, but I still believe that the Clippers should try to win every single game between now 
in the rest of the regular season. All right, moving on now. We have talked about so much already. Russ, Marcus Morris, the potential playoff matchups. But there's actually a even, I don't say bigger, but pretty significant update that happened when I first started recording this podcast. A little bit before I started recording this podcast, I actually had to kind of fit it into my outline that I had. And it's Norman Powell. A lot of people have probably forgotten about Norm to some extent because he has been out of the rotation for a while now dealing with a shoulder injury, and he's back in the mix, or at least is is getting close to being back in the mix. The Clippers have upgraded him to questionable for tomorrow's game, and usually when the Clippers do that, it means that a player is on the verge of returning. Uh, It's been reported already that Norm uh, is going to be traveling with the team and is expected to return at some point on this road trip. So, well, having Norm back is great. It was a real six-man-of-the-year candidate before he got hurt. It leaves some serious rotation questions for Ty Lue. Because, as we've seen with Norm being out, Eric was taking his backup six-man role. He was taking his six-man role, those backup guard minutes. And I thought Eric has looked a lot better since Norm has been out. I never really understood the Norm-Eric pairing. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I just saw Eric as like a less explosive version of Norm. And of course, that's not the best comparison because Eric shoots it a little bit deeper. Eric probably defends a little bit better than Norm. So they're not the exact same player, but they're similar in terms of what you would hope they would provide for the Clippers with their shooting, a downhill rim pressure, you know, kind of like that secondary playmaker next to one of the backup, uh, one of the other backup guards. So the fit between those two guys never made sense to me. But now Eric is in the starting lineup with PG out. So you kind of still give Norm a chance to run his own bench unit. And I think that's going to be good for him because we have about a season's worth of data that says Norman Powell is pretty much bad with like almost every single combination that they have thrown them thrown him out there with. And I don't think that means Norm is a bad player. I just think it means there have been some very awkward fits that the Clippers have been trying with him, and that goes all the way back to the first game of the season when they had these three-guard lineups for well, well too long than they should have. I I, I mean, it was obvious from day one that these three-guard lineups were not going to work, but, man, they went on for way too long. Um, So that was really something that set back Norm, I think, in, in terms of the the overall team ratings when he's, he's on the floor. And part of the problem, too, is that he was playing next to some pretty poor guards as well. Like, he played a lot of minutes next to John Wall. He played a lot of minutes next to Reggie. It it was just a bad combination from the start. But we do have a pretty significant sample size of data that shows us what doesn't work with Norman Powell. But one of the things that has worked is him out there as the lone guard. Those lineups have been very good when Norman Powell is the lone guard and can lead his own unit. But the problem is that now with Bones starting to play a little bit better, it's hard to take him out of the rotation because Bones isn't the scorer that Norm is in terms of his athleticism, his ability to get above the rim and do some of those things that Norm does, get to the line. Like Norm is definitely a more polished scorer than Bones, but Bones is already a better playmaker than Norm, which is pretty remarkable because he's only in his second season. Bones has some elite playmaking skills. Had eight assists last game. So it's tough to take him out of the rotation. 
But one thing I could say for almost certain is that you can't play those two guys together. Both of them are very bad defenders. And for Bones, he's going to get stronger. He's going to get more savvy on that end. I expect him to to grow into his body a little bit more as he gets older. And I don't think he'll always be as bad defensively as he is right now. But Norm, I love Norm. He's great at what he does well, but man, he's bad defensively. And pairing him with a guy like Bones, I just see there being zero chance of that working. So I expect, because Ty Lue said he's going nine-man rotation when Norm gets back, I expect Bones to be the odd man out again, which is unfortunate, but his time is coming. He has filled in incredibly well in the absence of PG and Norm. And I I think he's still going to have an opportunity to contribute to this Clippers team at some point. I don't know how. I hope it doesn't have to require another injury, but I certainly know that you probably can't play Norman Powell and Bones Highland together. So that's the Norm Powell update that I I fit into my uh, breakdown of the segments that I wanted to hit on this show because it happened like right before I was about to start recording. Um, and it, and it's tough because you know Norm is established vet. They're paying him a ton of money. You certainly can't sit him down, but uh, you can't really play him next to Bones either. So we'll see how the Clippers figure that out. It does help with Marcus Morris not being in the mix because that's just one less player that has to be out there. I think there's maybe a way to keep Bones in, but that would still make it ten unless you cut Rocco out, which we'll see what happens with that because even with Marcus being out. Uh, the other night against Chicago, Rocco only played six minutes before garbage time. So it's like, I still think Rocco is not guaranteed like a real rotation spot with Marcus being out. And that does open the possibility of like Russ or Eric getting pulled early, Norm being inserted in one of those groups or Bones being inserted in one of those groups. And then you bring Norm back when Bones sits. Like, like there's still ways that Ty can work this out to try to keep Bones at least somewhat in the rotation. But in terms of just running a backcourt of Bones and Norm, I don't see that being realistic. So that's my take on that. We'll have to wait and see. Um, it's somewhat frustrating that we're still talking about trying to figure out rotations with, what do they got, seven games left in the season? Uh, but that's that's just the way this season has gone, man. It has been... Very confusing process from day one, and injuries haven't helped that much. But yeah, if I'm looking at the schedule, that's kind of how I want to end this pod is looking ahead. They got two against Memphis, and that's where they're headed to right now. One against the Pelicans. All three of those are on the road. Then they come back home for one against the Lakers, one against Portland. That should be a free win because they're in tank mode right now. Then they finish the season against the Phoenix Suns. So let's take a look at those last. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six games, man. Six regular season games remaining. That's wild. But uh, starting with Memphis, they got this little two-game set with the Grizzlies here starting on Wednesday. Now, it's an interesting situation with the Grizzlies because as of right now, they're the hottest team in basketball. They have won six straight games, which is the longest winning streak in the NBA. A lot of people was looking at Memphis like, okay, they might be done. They might be done. When the whole jaw thing happened and, Brandon Clark went out and uh, Brooks got suspended for the tech. It was just like one thing after the one thing after another. And then the Clippers played them that very next game after Brooks got suspended. And it was like, okay, what's going on here? They look like a great team in the first half. And the Clippers just hammered them. 
in the second half. And it looked like one or in the in the fourth quarter, because that third quarter was was scary. It wasn't the second half, it was the fourth quarter, because that third quarter was a nightmare. So that was the Memphis situation at one point. But since then, they've won six straight games. Uh, last two have come with Jaw, or last three have come with Jaw. And they've been looking good. They have been looking much better. They, they look like they're going to get the two seed. And they could be a problem in the playoffs. So they're playing Orlando tonight, the Memphis Grizzlies are. So that's the front half of a back-to-back for them. And then they play the Clippers tomorrow. And they're listing John Morant as doubtful tonight with thigh soreness, but I think it's a load management situation for him. I could be wrong, but I think it's a load management situation for them. They are going to attack the Magic without Morant and then bring him back against the Clippers because it's a conference game. It's presumably a more difficult win, and it would just make more sense for them to have Jaw play in that one as opposed to tonight against Orlando if they don't want him playing back-to-backs. So the Clippers have this little mini set in Memphis here on Wednesday and Friday. And then they travel over to face the Pelicans who have been their kryptonite. They really have. The Pelicans have put it to the Clippers the last few years, man. And I don't think it's much of a coincidence either because they're athletic. They're young. They play fast. They play above the rim. That's like four things I just mentioned that the Clippers aren't. So there's a pretty big reason why the Pelicans own the Clippers the way they do. And this is also the second game of a back-to-back. So the Clippers will play in Memphis on Friday and then play in New Orleans on Saturday. We asked Kawhi Leonard if there's any plans of him playing back-to-backs between now and the rest of the regular season. And he almost just looked annoyed with the question. He's like, we'll see. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He just said, we'll see. I think Kawhi would like to be playing back-to-backs, but I'd be shocked if the training staff allows it to happen. But as Kawhi said, we'll see. So after that game against the Pelicans, the Clippers have three days off. They will not play Sunday, not play Monday, not play Tuesday, and then play Wednesday against the Lakers, and it's a Clippers home game. This game could be a movie. Because there is a chance at that point, the Clippers could be in a position to either eliminate the Lakers from playoff contention entirely, or put a pretty close to a knockout blow to their chances. There is a real possibility that that game on April 5th gives Russell Westbrook and the Clippers an opportunity to knock the Lakers out of playoff contention, or at least knock them to the brink of elimination from playoff contention. And if that happens, it would be a lot of fun. But on the other side of things, depending on how the next three games go, there's a chance that the Lakers could put the Clippers into some trouble with that game because the separation between the Clippers and the Lakers in the standings is not what some people might think it is because while the Lakers have still struggled and you know they've had some, some moments where it's like, okay, they, they look good. They, they haven't really turned the page. They only sit two losses behind the Clippers as things sit currently. So while there's really not a direct path to the Lakers jumping out of the play-in picture right now, just considering they trail three teams and would have to leapfrog three teams in order to do that, things can happen. If the Timberwolves start to struggle or the Warriors or the Pelicans start to struggle and the Clippers start to struggle, like things can happen. And then you enter that game on April 5th 
and you're only a loss above the Lakers, you better win that game. So while a lot of people are looking at that game, myself included, and they're seeing it as an opportunity to knock the Lakers out of the playoff picture, there's a real chance that the Lakers could be sending the Clippers into the play-in picture with that game as well. So there's a lot to be determined in between now and then, but I just have a feeling that there's going to be some level of pretty large significance between the Clippers and the Lakers on April 5th. And after that game, like I said, the Clippers will have two games off and then they'll play what I think should be a free win against the Portland Trailblazers because they are shutting Damian Lillard down for the season and will be dead set on trying to lose at that point. For lack of a better term, they're just going to be dead set on trying to lose at that point. So it should be a free win for the Clippers. And then we move on to the final game of the NBA season. And like I said, there's a lot that's going to happen in between now and then. There's five games in between now and then. But there is a real chance that the final game of the season between the Clippers and the Phoenix Suns could determine who hosts the first two games of that 4-5 matchup. Because like I talked about early in the pod, it feels like we're headed towards a series between those two teams. And if we are, with only one loss separating them right now, a half game, they're tied in the win column, that final game of the season could determine who gets fourth and who gets fifth. And if it does, it's going to be, people are calling it game zero, right? Because then they go and they play game one of the first round of the NBA playoffs. So maybe it doesn't come down to that. Maybe both these teams kind of start trending in different directions and they're not all that close as the season comes down to the wire. But as things sit currently, it's starting to look that way. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six games remaining in the regular season. All of them project to be very important. And the Clippers, in my opinion, should feel pretty good about where they are right now. Because Marcus Morris, at least for this road trip, is not going to be in the rotation because uh, they're saying health and safety for him. And that, to me, indicates he didn't travel. So I wouldn't expect to see him on this road trip. Probably not at all for the rest of the season. Again, I'm not going to get too far into that. But um, yeah. They got him out of the rotation. They got Nico in the starting group. They are getting Norm back. Lord willing, PG can find a way to be ahead of schedule. But I think the Clippers are in a pretty good spot. So I'm going to try to continue giving you guys coverage on here at least every other week. I'll try to stick to once a week because it's just tough with everything that's been going on. But you guys know where to find me on Twitter, on Instagram, you guys know where to find me. You guys know where I'm the most active. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, apologies. It took a little long to get this one out, but I'm committed to this pod, committed to giving you guys stuff because, you know, if you listen to this, you really rock with me, and I appreciate that. So until next time, you guys, much love and go Clippers.